Christ alone, my hope is found, and He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when strife. church this morning. If you guys would just stand and worship with us this morning.
worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Worthy is the name, worthy is the name. <laughs> Wonderful Jesus, Wonderful Lord, worthy is your name, your name, Jesus, worthy. Worthy are you, Lord. Yes, you are. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Worthy is Jesus. <laughs> oh, bless your name. Bless your name. Bless your name. I just want you to just put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. You don't have to go across the alders, but uh, across the aisles, but just somebody, just put your hand on their shoulder and let's pray one for another. Oh, we lift up one another, Lord. The Bible says, you know, when we pray in tongues, we give thanks well. Hallelujah. And when we don't know how to pray as we ought, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. He gives us utterance. So we don't know the needs of the people. We don't, you don't even know the needs of the closest person that you may know. So Lord, we just pray one for another right now. 
and comfort and wisdom. In Jesus' name, we thank you in Jesus' name. You said, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When one member suffers, we all suffer with them. When one is exalted or rejoiced, we rejoice with them. So we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We lift up our church family, the families of our church family, O oh Lord. We lift them to you. We thank you, Lord, for, for, for divine protection, for divine leading, for divine wisdom, for divine guidance, for divine health. Hallelujah. In the name, the name above every name, the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it is his name that we praise and give thanks to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness, O oh Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness, O oh Lord. You never change. You're always the same. <laughs> the righteous run into you and are safe. Hallelujah. We run into you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 We run into you and we are safe. Jesus, we love you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Precious Jesus, precious Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, these are not the days in which we're living to just play church or be religious or pretend religion or do our weekly duty and go to church. These are days to press into God like never before. Hallelujah. And Jesus is the way that we do that. We press into God and we go through Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. And we love each other. Amen. We love each other. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well. Before you're seated, you can uh, introduce yourself to a few people or welcome a few people. Say hello to them. If you're, if you're a, a kid, you can go to your class. Miss Katie is in the back and uh, she'll take you to your class. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. For those of you who are worshiping with us online today, we're so glad that you're there and you're with us here in spirit. Amen. We know you'll be ministered to. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, if you're worshiping with us today for the first time, if you wouldn't mind just filling out a connect card there in front of you and uh, let us know that you're here, we would appreciate your letting us know. And then we want to let you know next Sunday is our 55 plus group and, uh, they are going to be meeting at the food court. They're here in Foothill Ranch. And so if you've never joined them, you are welcome to join. And if you think you're a little bit under 55 and you want to go, well, you don't have to um, show your, uh, your ID or anything to the group. They will accept you. I, uh, when I became a, ooh, a senior citizen... My dad took it really well. He, when he turned 55, he said, I called him and I said, happy birthday. He goes, oh boy. He goes, I turned 55 today and now I get to get coffee. Now, this is some years ago, everybody. Some years. I get to have coffee at McDonald's for 10 cents now. And so, you know, he was, he was just like that. And I just decided I was going to be like him. And so now when I, I've gone a few places where you, you get a discount or something or other for being over a certain age, I won't say what age that is, I'll say to them, I'll go, um, and then the senior citizen, blah, 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 I'll say, do you want to see my ID so I prove my age to you? Honestly, it's a joke. I do it every time. It's a joke. And only one person in all the years I've done that has anyone ever gotten that joke. They just look at me in amazement and I think, I'm trying to say I look so young you could never believe that I am a senior citizen. So do you want me to prove it to you? I've only had one person ever understand the joke. Anyway, I still do the silly joke, you know. And um, I don't know why I said all that. Oh, yeah. You don't have to show your card for the 55 plus group. They'll let you in, you know, they'll just, anyway. Hallelujah. We have a good report this morning. <clears throat> Israel Ishkavera, our wonderful Israel, he's been in, they, his family's been in our church many, many years. Uh, he fell off a ladder, or not a ladder, excuse me, a roof one week ago Friday. Praise the Lord. Nothing's broken. He hurt a little bit, Your, Leslie told me. He, is, he hurt a little, but thank the Lord. He didn't break anything, and he's okay, and God protected him. And we just rejoice and thank the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Amen. Then there is something we need you to pray with us about. Many of you may already know about this, but for those of you who don't, we ask that you would pray for Nick Leland, and the Choate family, because Lindsay Leland, uh, at about midnight on Tuesday, she slipped out of her body and she went to heaven. And so um, Nick is her husband. They have a little girl, Dagny, who's about two. And um, so as you can imagine, you know, the family really needs just our love and our support at this time. And... Um, just, you know, just pray for them. And um, so when, when we do see them in church, you know, when they do come back to church, let's just, just love them. You know, the Bible says, you know, sometimes we feel like we, we, we have to say words to people. And, you know, sometimes we don't need to say words to people. The Bible says 
Weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. So we rejoice with Israel and his family. We rejoice with them. But with Lindsay's family, you know, they weep. Yes, she is in heaven and we're grateful that she is. Thank God for that. But right now, you know, you're in that situation. That's not what you're thinking about. They love her and they're going to miss her and we will all miss her. And so the Bible says to just weep with those that weep. And so it's a time when we see them to love them, just love them and cry with them. That's all we did. We love them and we cry with them, you know? And so, uh, um, cause sometimes people feel like, you know, they have to give them a scripture for the day or something. It, it's not time for that. They know a lot of scriptures. And so just weep with those that weep when others love them and just sometimes just be there and just cry with them and love them. And um, so anyway, we will pray for them also this morning. So thank you for remembering them in your prayers. Amen. Uh, if those of you who, uh, we're going to ask um, ushers to come at this time, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. As you know, the envelopes are there in the seat around you, or you can give electronically. Thank the Lord. Lord, you are the God of all comfort. And you comfort us in every place that we may find ourselves in during this lifetime. And many of us in this room can attest as to your faithfulness of comfort and strength many times in our life. And we thank you for that. We thank you for who you are. You're El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough, that in everything we would encounter and in every situation in our life, we never have to be afraid because you will always meet us there because you're faithful. And so we lift up Nick and the entire family, Lord, to you. And we thank you for comforting them. That your arms of love and tenderness would surround them. In Jesus' name. And, and God who is El Shaddai, everything to us, O oh Lord. We bring our tithes and our offerings with joy unto you, knowing that every day you will meet our needs. Bind our hearts together in the love of God like never before. <laughs> we remain faithful to you. We remain faithful to the body of Christ and to one another. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Once you've been given the chance to give in the offering this morning, would you stand and worship with us one last time? The reign of darkness now has ended in the kingdom of light, in the kingdom
of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of the healing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start this morning in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul writing to Timothy says in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. The only fight that the Bible tells us that we're in is in the fight of faith. And 
Now notice he says, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. He can't just be talking about getting saved. We know that Timothy was saved in Paul's ministry, became a spiritual son to Paul. And so he was already saved and filled with the Spirit. And at this point in time that Paul writes, he's most probably left in Ephesus to pastor the church that's there. So he says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. He's talking about laying hold of the things that Jesus purchased for us with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Lay hold on eternal life. And notice the next thing he says, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. We're called unto the, the things that make up eternal life. But it's not enough just to be called to them. We still have a fight of faith to fight. The fact that it says that he's professed a good profession. He must be fighting a fight or in the middle of a fight for some period of time. Because Paul is telling him, hang on. Keep doing what you're doing. Now, the Bible gives us many examples that we are to learn from and take advantage of to lay hold on the blessings of eternal life for ourselves. I want you to turn back with me to Exodus chapter 15. Moses has led the children of Israel out of Egypt. God has delivered them from the bondage of slavery. They come to the Red Sea. And God tells Moses to stretch out his rod over the, hand, over the, the sea. And when he does, the sea parts. And Israel goes across on dry land. Pharaoh, Pharaoh's army chase after them. And the sea swallows them up and they drown. Now, folks, I think it's worth mentioning that they've just experienced a victory over the strongest army on the face of the earth. Egypt at that time was the, the greatest, the most powerful kingdom of anywhere on the planet. And without even throwing a rock, God delivers his children and delivers them a great victory. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22, it says, So Moses brought Israel out from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. That probably means poisonous. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters made sweet, were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Verse 26, and he said, 
if thou wilt hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord thy God and will do that which is right in his sight and keep all of his statutes, will give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now the Bible tells us in Psalm 105 verse 37, I believe it is, that God brought them forth with silver and gold and there was not one feeble among them. So when the Passover takes place and they're instructed to put the door or put the, the blood of the sacrificial lamb on the doorpost and above the doorpost on the what's called the lintel, something miraculous took place that night. There was a healing that took place that encompassed the whole of the nation of Israel or the people that would make up the nation of Israel. Where it says there was not one feeble among them, it's telling us that God brought healing and strength to everyone in the, that make up his family because there were of the millions of people there had to be people that were um, injured or sick in their knees and their legs and if that were the case every one of those people were healed but even the weakness that would come from old age or other circumstances of sickness and disease. The people were healed to the point where they wouldn't hold up the procession as Israel went on their journey to the land of Canaan. So here where it says at the end of verse 26, I am the Lord that healeth thee. The language is a little unknown to us. It's present perfect tense, which means it could be two things or both of two things. One is he could be saying, I am the Lord that did heal you. Or he could just be saying, I am a healing God. There's no way to, to definitively state which way that it's supposed to be but notice in verse 25 notice it says there he made for them a statute and an ordinance and there he proved them it's as if God went beyond the circumstances of this particular setting where the waters were made sweet here where it says he made them an or a statute, the word statute really means commandment and the word ordinance means verdict. So it's as if God had a trial on behalf of the people of Israel and he delivered a verdict of healing, not just a verdict that did heal them, or had healed them 
but a statute and an ordinance that declares that he's the healer for Israel no matter what comes to, against them, no matter what the situation is. It seems to me that God's response by making a statute and an ordinance under them goes much further than just healing poisonous water. I believe God is identifying himself to Israel as the healing God. The scriptures point out seven different names that God gave himself. And this is the first of the seven. And he identifies himself as, I am the God that healeth thee. But now back up with me again to verse 22. Notice when they come to this place, they were three days, they had, had traveled three days in the, into the wilderness and found no water. Verse 24, and the people murmured against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? And then God gives them the instruction of how to handle the situation. Now let's go on over to chapter 16 and read a little bit more. And they took their journey from Elam and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after departing out of the land of Egypt. This is 75 days since God has delivered them through a series of miracles and finally the Passover, the last miracle or the last plague, the death of the firstborn. Verse 2, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by flesh plot, the flesh pots and when we did eat bread to the full. For you have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Now folks, the fact that these people are bemoaning that they're not back in Egypt where they were slaves And they talk about their provisions. Now don't forget the Bible has instructed us and told us about how difficult their life was there. We know that they were making bricks for the construction of the treasure cities of Egypt. And it's hard to imagine, at least for me, to imagine how they're thinking that things were better for them before God delivered them. And it's not like they've had such a terrible journey for such a long time. It took them three days to start murmuring 
concerning Mara. And now, 75 days later, they're murmuring against Moses. Verse 4, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in and shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And Moses and Aaron said unto all the children of Israel, At evening then you shall know that the Lord has brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning then you shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings against the Lord. And what are we that you murmur against us? And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat and in the morning bread to the full, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings and which you murmur against him. And what are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Skip down with me to verse 12. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel speak unto them, saying, At evening you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it shall come, to, and it came to pass that at evening the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the hosts. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there shall be a small round thing, as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. I want to remind you in Deuteronomy chapter 8 what God said about the manna and why he said it or why he delivered it to them. Verse 1, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in your heart, whether thou would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. Now you may remember in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 that when Jesus began his ministry, he first went out into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days. And the devil came to him after those 40 days were up when he was hungry and the devil tempted him to turn the stones into bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. 
Now the rest of the eighth chapter talks about God's power, provision, power to provide for them. He provided for them with manna every day for 40 years. They ate manna until they came to the land of Canaan. Not the first time, but the second time. Now Jesus apparently learned the lesson that Israel did not. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In other words, God wanted and intended their experience, Israel's experience, to cause them to know that God's word is the answer for whatever problem you face. And that's what Jesus is saying when he quotes from this passage in the Old Testament. Now the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 28 talking about the blessing of Abraham Verse 9, I believe it is, of that chapter, says the Lord shall command the blessing upon your storehouses. Now, your storehouses are the, the places where provision is stored up more than just your day-to-day -day needs or supplies. but the place where God has blessed his people to increase. I made a statement last Sunday morning as part of the message that a, a 1922 or 2022, excuse me, survey showed that two-thirds of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Now, folks, if God has declared that he will or has blessed our storehouses, then it can't be God's will for us to live paycheck to paycheck. God wants you provided for a lot better than that. I think we are on the edge of seeing some things in this generation, in this time that necessitates our believing in his word and living according to his promises rather than living according to the way the world operates. I believe we're living in a day where financial miracles will be prevalent and necessary. Now turn with me to Numbers chapter 21. Here's another example of God's dealing with Israel 
Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And Moses and the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? Man, they get stuck on things, don't they? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. They're complaining about God's provision for them. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much of the people of Israel died. Now, folks, the Bible says in several different places in the Old Testament that the wilderness that they dwelt in, there were fiery serpents. The word fiery means poisonous. And so the Bible is telling us or identifies that there were fiery serpents throughout the wilderness, but they never were a problem until they started murmuring against God. Now, they must have recognized that through their experience with Moses and God. Verse 7, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Now, they have experienced... This is, at this point in time, it's probably about halfway into the time that they spent in the, um, in the wilderness. This is about 20 years after they had been delivered from the bondage of Egypt. So they've got about halfway to go through the 40 years. But they know that when they murmur against God and against Moses... Terrible things happen. They've already got this part figured out. Now they're not committed to it to the point where they decide not to murmur. But they have learned by experience that murmuring brings destruction upon them. But they're not willing to change their behavior. They know what to do. They just don't do it. Verse 8. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a servant had bitten any man, that when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Now notice Moses was instructed by God to make a fiery serpent and put it on the pole. We know that this is a type of Jesus it speaks to the work that Jesus does. He tells us in John chapter 3, we know of verse 16 is that great 
scripture that nearly everybody knows, I guess. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But if you just back up a couple of scriptures, in verse 14, Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So he knows, he's certain as to the meaning of the Old Testament type. The serpent of brass speaks to Jesus being made sin for us. As Paul said to the, to the Corinthians, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So this type speaks to Jesus being our substitute by his death on the cross. So folks, what this is telling us is that what the Bible calls God humbling the children of Israel through hunger was designed to teach them that the answer to their problems is not greater provision. The answer to their problems is God's word. And that's the same thing that's true for each and every one of us. Romans chapter 4. The Holy Ghost gives us an example of the fight that wins the good fight of faith. Romans 4 verse 17. Here's Abraham's faith and how God dealt with him. Romans 4 17. As it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now I'm going to read this to you from a different translation. The American Standard Translation, verse 17. As it is written, the father of many nations have I made thee. Before him whom he believed, even God, who giveth life to the dead and calleth those things which are not as though they were. Who in hope believed against hope to the end that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which has been spoken, so shall your seed be. And without being weakened in faith, he considered his own body now as, as good as dead, he being about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, looking under the promise of God, he wavered not through unbelief, 
But he waxed strong through faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Verse 20 is what I want you to see. And looking unto the promise of God. Here where it says he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to fulfill. The way you become fully persuaded is by looking, looking at the promise of God and not looking at anything else. It's the only thing that will convince you of the truth of God's word. Verse 17, the characteristics of God that Abraham identified with and committed himself to was God quickening the dead and calling those things which be not as though they were. Now, how does God quicken the dead? How did God bring anything to life that the Bible tells us about? Through his words. He commanded dead things to live, and they lived. So that means that Abraham, who's operating in the God kind of faith, Abraham had to speak life into his own body. He didn't have any natural circumstance or symptoms to hope in. His body was completely dead as far as having children was concerned. He understood that. And so he had had to adjust his thinking and his speech to line up with what God said rather than what he saw. So he began, if this is telling us the truth, he began speaking life to his body. He began calling things that be not as though they were. Now God had set him up on that one by calling him the father of nations and changing his name to mean the father of many nations. So when Abraham goes by the name that God gave him rather than the name that he used to have before that, he's calling things to be not as though they are. He's calling himself the father of nations. who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Now what is he hoping in since he doesn't have any physical evidence? He puts his hope in according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. In in, uh, Exodus chapter 15, no, Genesis chapter 15, I'm sorry. It tells us about how God showed him the stars in the sky and asked him how many there were. He said, there's no way to know. And God said, so shall your seed be. 
So what he put his hope in is what God had said, not what he experienced with his body or his circumstances. So he's speaking life to his flesh and calling himself the father of many nations according as God had given given him the name. Verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now this word considers, it doesn't mean that he denied his circumstances. It doesn't mean that he's not aware of the weakness of his body or of Sarah's body, either one. He just doesn't consider it. See, when the devil brings circumstances and problems to us, he wants us to think that, that, that the fact that we have contradicting circumstances, circumstances that contradict God's word, that is, he wants us to conclude that what God said can't be true because of the circumstances that exist. But Abraham didn't allow the circumstances to, answer, to provide an answer in his situation. He considered not his own body now dead. It doesn't mean that he denied that his body was dead in this manner. He simply didn't give it a place of priority in his life. Remember Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, attend unto my words. Incline thine ear unto my sake. Let them not depart from before thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. For they are life unto those that find them. And health to all their flesh. So if Abraham had allowed himself to be weak in faith, he would have considered the circumstances of his body to be the final answer in his situation. But he didn't do that. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God or he looked at the promise of God and was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So instead of looking at his own body and the, the meaning of his own circumstances in his body, he looked at the promise of God who said he would have a son and that his descendants would be numbered like the stars of the, of the sky. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He kept himself strong in faith by glorifying God for the answer before he has the answer in physical form, before he has any evidence. He chooses to be strong in faith, glorifying God for the answer that God has given him through the promise and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. As I said before, being fully persuaded comes from looking only at the word of God. If he looks at his body and continues to see his body in the circumstances of being dead to having children, 
There's no way he is ever going to be fully persuaded. But he chose to look at the one and only thing that mattered to him. And that was the promise that God had given. And therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now when Abraham speaks life to his body, he's calling his body alive because God said so. God said that he would give birth to a son. And that became the only thing that he cared about. It became the, thing, the one thing of importance in his life. Now, you may remember that he had fallen into a place where he wasn't expecting God to give him the answer or to give him children. And God had to straighten him out a little bit. And he did that by identifying that the promise of God isn't restricted by time. Just as the children of Israel suffered hunger in a couple of different situations. God used that experience, those events in their lives to try to convince him, convince the children of Israel that the word of God is the answer for any situation or problem that we find ourselves. So Abraham began learning how to operate according to God's promise and according to the things that God had willed for his life. He began speaking life to his body. And when he woke up in the morning and he was reminded by the physical circumstances that his body and Sarah's body were not able, at least not yet able, To produce children, he spoke life to his body rather than death. He didn't just repeat what he could see with his physical eye. He began to speak life unto his body. Something along the lines of body, God said that you would produce children. So I speak life to you. He spoke life to his body and health to his flesh. Now that's the point where some people pull back. And they allow weakness to produce unbelief in their lives. And the devil is always there on your shoulder to tell you that you're, that you're lying 
when you're calling things that be not as though they were. But folks, if we're quoting God, if we're speaking what God said, that can't be a lie. It's certainly different than the circumstances we see. But the law of faith is you'll have what you say. So if we're speaking God's word, speaking God's promise to us, or speaking according to what God has done for us through Jesus in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, then there's no way in the world that could be a lie. It contradicts the physical reality. But God's word is only truth. And he can't lie. So Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. He, he speaks according to that which was spoken to him. And he's talking about what God spoke to him. And when he puts himself in that position, he has to incline his ear to the promise of God and look only to the promise of God and not something else. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Looking at the promise of God, he staggered not to unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Look at what strong faith does. Strong faith gives glory to God, praises him for an answer that can't yet be seen. And then secondly, strong faith is fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able also to perform. Folks, by this time, Abraham has concluded that God is the creator of the universe. How can the God of the universe, the author and the creator of everything that we see, how can he not be able to make good on his word? Now these were things, issues, that over a period of time, Abraham had to have concluded but he did conclude these things and it changed the way that he thought it changed what he looked at it changed what he said Abraham chose to be strong in faith giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able also to perform. Now Abraham was 75 years old when God first appeared to him. Here it says he was about 100 years old when Isaac was born. So these things have 
progressed over a period of time, a protracted period of time, we might say. But he came to the place where he was in complete and total reliance of God's word and nothing else. The things that we're believing for, the things that we are accepting by faith and laying hold of to bring from the unseen realm into the physical realm. Those are things that we should speak life to and call things that be not as though they were. But again, let's use God's word for that, not our own. Because God's word can only be true and not a lie. So to keep us from being weak in faith, we're going to have to choose what we're going to look at. If we look at circumstances and the things that we look at are going to be the things we'll wind up talking about. If we look at the circumstances, we'll wind up speaking against God's word. But if we look at the promise of God, only the promise of God, then that will lead us to the place where we thank him for what we don't yet see And we become fully persuaded that what God had promised, he is able also to perform. So if you're in one of those places, places of lack, places where you're not provided for, according to what God said. Speak life to your finances. Call those things that be not as though they were. The Bible calls you rich. What do you call yourself? Those places of lack, those fights that we fight in our Christian walk, to lay hold of the promise of God, whether it's finances, whether it's healing, or whatever it is. The Bible tells us, gives us detailed information about how we can follow Abraham's faith and reap the results and take advantage of everything that Jesus purchased for us through his suffering on the cross. Say this after me. According to God's word, Jesus took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses and with his stripes I am healed. According to God's word, 
God's blessing is on our storehouse. We are fully provided for. He has given us the power to get wealth. And that leads us to the place where everything we have is multiplied. Folks, these are things that we need to speak consistently. Things that we need to say every morning before we get up. Father, we thank you for all that you've done. Jesus, you are faithful. You've made your promise good to us. We thank you, Father, for seeing us through these last days. With the finances that we need, not just for ourselves, Lord, but that we might be able to give and to help others too. We thank you for your healing mercy. We thank you that your healing power is at work in our bodies now. We call our bodies full of life and power. We call ourselves healed by the stripes of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done for us and the even greater things that are yet to come. We look at your word, Father, and we look only at your word because that's our source of help. Your word is our victory. Your word is our financial supply. Thank you, Lord, for bringing these things to pass in our lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Hallelujah. We have what we say. We are the healed and the rich by the work of Jesus. Amen. God bless you, folks. We love you.